dive into the extreme feelings that developed when the once niche educational medium, distance learning, became a critical necessity overnight as three seasoned education professionals and their guests seek to dispel myths about virtual learning. Hello and welcome to the Why Distance Learning Podcast. My name is Seth Fleischauer with Banyan Global Learning. I am here with my co-hosts Allison and Tammy from CILC, the Center for Interactive Learning and Collaboration. And today our guest is Anne-Marie Cote of Connected North and Taking It Global up in Canada. Anne-Marie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> um, we are so excited to talk to you today. Uh, Connected North is kind of a juggernaut in uh, the the land of distance learning content providers. We were chatting before we started this recording here about um, all of the content providers who who speak often and uh, with full hearts about their work with the students up in Canada. Uh, so we really look forward to diving into all of that and your experience with that. Uh, but I will let Allison uh, introduce you first. Yes. So Anne-Marie specializes in adult learning and development, as well as distance learning. She started her career as a classroom teacher, where she began designing and developing engaging K-12 curriculum, and later that led her to designing that for other educational organizations, a variety of them. Anne-Marie currently works for Taking It Global, which I am really excited to be talking about today, um, where she works collaboratively with content providers from CILC and other organizations as well as fellow educators to prepare virtual programs for that are appropriate for remote Indigenous communities. Um, we also want to remind you that Anne-Marie also holds her master's in, in organizational psychology. So... Welcome. Thank you so much. Allison's excited. It's a first. Um, <laughs> Al Allison, why are you excited to talk about taking it global? Taking it global and connect uh, and the program Connected North were just some of my most treasured teaching experiences. Not just the moments that we got to share, but all that I got to learn from the students and the teachers I got to work with. So really excited. Connected North is like just all the things where if I went there, I just don't know. I would be literally, everyone would feel like a superstar to me. I would be, all the teachers, all of the students, I would want to just go sit in some of the rooms and be like, look at this physical space. I've only seen it from a distance. So superstar rock star students and learners. And you would feel like a superstar to the students too. <laughs> Good, good memories. Very good memories. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's another love fest episode here on the podcast. <laughs> Got to bring love the love, love or stars, you know. <laughs> um, Anne Marie, how did you how did you get into this? Like we we talk about, um, you know, all these distance learning professionals, people who are in the field. How did how did you find yourself here? Um, a little bit by chance, honestly. Um, yeah, I I used to be a classroom teacher and. I was looking to work in education, but not necessarily um, in the classroom, just in another space. And having taught abroad, I just um, was made aware of like the different challenges that different communities in the country had when it came to accessing education. And so I, I knew I wanted to make a difference um, within Canada and find a way to kind of um, work on accessible education. And I actually just found Connected North, as I mentioned, by chance, just through the internet, found a job posting. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. 
Oh, so cool. Where did you teach abroad? Uh, in Guyana, in South America. Oh, very cool. Um, yeah, I've uh, worked a lot with with Taiwan. Uh, it's definitely part of uh, what piqued my interest in making these cross-cultural connections, which is something that, that we'll talk about here today. Uh, but I wanted to open up with a question about kind of uh, etiquette and preparation for these programs. I know that part of what you do is like prepare teachers and students for the virtual experience. And I was wondering um, what you what you tell them, right? What are the things that, that you tell teachers and students in order to prepare for a live virtual program? Yeah, I think um, in terms of teachers, our expectations is, you know, that they show up on time to the the session, that they have the space and the materials prepared. Um, if they're able to kind of prep students ahead of time, um, whether it be, you know, asking them um, to come up with some questions or just introducing the topic ahead of time. Um, we ask them, of course, to manage the classroom, to help facilitate the discussion, check for understanding, consolidate learning. And so there's a variety of ways along the Connected North kind of process where we try to ensure that teachers and students are ready for the sessions. Um, at the beginning of every school year, there's a meet and greet and kind of introduction to Connected North meeting that's organized for each school. And they get to meet their school lead, which is their dedicated Connected North point of contact. And um, this is where teachers will learn, you know, what a Connected North session looks like, how the technology works, how they can prepare their students uh, for, for a session. And um, there's also multiple ways that we communicate how to prepare for each specific session. Um, usually school leads will email teachers with the most important information, but there's also a teacher portal where teachers can log in and see those details for all their upcoming sessions, including the materials that they need, the connection link, uh, how long the session will last. And then um, we also include all that kind of important information in the calendar invites that we send. And we have a few really handy automations in place to make sure that, um, you know, there's one that sends all resource sheets and handouts automatically three days before a session so that teachers have them and can print them. Or there's another Sunday email that goes to a specific school administrator or kind of a program champion. And that outlines all the sessions that they have going on at, that, at the school that week so that they can help support um, the involved teachers and making sure that they're ready. And again, that they kind of show up on time and know what to expect. But I think in the end though, like there's only so much we can do to prepare. And for us, it's also a lot more about meeting teachers and students where they're at and kind of supporting them in that present space that they're operating in. Um, you know, we know that there's a variety of added challenges and limited time and resources in the communities that we work with. And so for that reason, there's a Connected North team member present in every session who's there to kind of support the experience um, from successfully connecting on time with no technical issues, <laughs> um, but also to facilitating interaction. And so yeah, a, a very big part of meeting communities where they're at is also kind of preparing our our content providers for the experience, which is where um, like most of my work is focused 
And that that was a my follow that was like a follow up question was. Like you said, preparing the classroom that you can only do so much. <laughs> it sounds like you have so many wonderful things put into place from person to, like you said, automations, which is always wonderful to have when you need those materials. But could you talk a little bit about how you prepare the content provider? Because it feel, in my experience, it's really building that trust to help. Um, like you said, meet some of the students where they are, but not all content providers, some of them are meeting groups for the first time. So how do you prepare content providers to tailor their content to fit what they need, meaning your learners need? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. We have a pretty, I guess, extensive, you would call it like onboarding process, um, which, yeah, is centered around making sure that content providers kind of understand the realities and the context of the communities that they're going to connect with. And so um, there's team members, again, Connect to North team members that are there to kind of support that learning. But essentially, we have a series of resources that are available um, on a similar online portal that's uh, designed for content providers specifically. And that kind of outlines um, the expectations that we have from them. Um, when it when it comes to connected North sessions, and um, it, it goes from the basics of same thing like being punctual <laughs> and arriving at least five minutes ahead of time, so that we don't have to worry about whether or not they're going to show up, and <laughs> having you know good audio video quality with re- reliable internet, but also things like knowing who they're connecting to, like having done a little bit of research on the community ahead of time or reviewing the school profile, which is one of the resources that we've put together is kind of a mini profile on each of the schools that we work with, which will highlight some of those, um, some of that basic information that might not be readily available um, on the internet so that we can kind of help them and support them with that little bit of research. But um, knowing the grade level that they're connecting with and making sure that they're offering a land acknowledgement at the start of every session. And then we do have a variety of modules um, for them to go through about facilitating student engagement and interactivity. And a lot of it is also focused on how to create a really um, inclusive and respectful space where they customize their content to the specific group of students that they're meeting um, and being trauma-informed and and patient and coming with an open mind and um, a non-judgment attitude and being able to kind of focus on celebrating students' strengths and resilience. I mean, it it just sounds like you've covered all the bases. Like I'm sitting here listening to you talk and I'm like, yep, check, check, check. Like, like it's, I mean, no wonder you guys are such a presence in the space. Um, I'm wondering if you can tell us the story of, of how you guys got here. Um, you know, it, it, it obviously day one, you didn't have all those boxes checked. So, so what was the evolution of all this? Well, we are, you know, focused on supporting underserved communities from remote Indigenous territories. And we're actually really grateful to have had the opportunity to grow primarily through word of mouth um, by having highly engaged school partners. 
Um, teachers tend to talk to one another across the regions and will sometimes move between schools. And so demand and interest just continued to grow naturally over the last decade. And I would say the pandemic also accelerated that growth as it became like more clear to many communities how distance learning could help them connect for learning and also meet their learning goals. I do wonder if, um, because Connected North, it's such a wonderful program, but it's part of taking it global. Do you talk a little bit about the relationship between taking it global and Connected North? Um, It seems like a fun relationship. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Taking It Global is the registered charity behind the program. And so broadly, we design and deliver uh, youth engagement programs. And so Taking It Global has been around uh, since 1999 and was co-founded by um, two teenagers at the time who are still um, who are still operating uh, TIG for short. Um, and Connected North was originally founded by Cisco in 2013. So the program is celebrating 10 years this year. Yay, happy birthday. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and uh, after growing to three schools, um, they were looking for a partner to take over and help scale the program. And they knew of us as we were doing some work supporting youth creativity initiatives in Nunavut. And it was just a perfect match with our skills and interests. Um, and our other areas of focus are youth action and social innovation. So providing grants for youth-led community impact projects and uh, creativity and digital skills where we help youth develop skills like coding in a variety of ways. I want to talk a little bit about uh, cross-cultural connections. I know that that is one of the uh, one of the real things that that sticks out, at least for for us when we work with you guys. When Banyan Global Learning provides um, uh, programs to Connected North, uh, it just I mean whenever we tell a story about the students that we work with, the the students up in the Arctic Circle who've, who've never seen a tree before, like they, they're first on our list. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible to connect uh, with students uh, who experience a, a daily lived experience that is so different from our own down here in the, in the lower 48. Um, and, uh, and it's also... Uh, it speaks to the the power of the medium to connect different cultures, right? And so, in that way, it's uh, you know this is why this is why we we do this, right? Is to be able to connect to people that we would otherwise never be able to have that connection with. Um, and I'm wondering if you can tell us some stories of uh, of some cross cultural connections that you have experienced through this program. Obviously, you have. I mean, this is happening like every day through Connected North. So I'm sure you have a lot to choose from, but what are some that uh, that are memorable to, memorable to you that, that kind of stick out? Yeah, um, <laughs> as you mentioned, yeah, that's kind of, you know, the main idea behind Connected North. And I think that we're able to kind of facilitate those really meaningful moments in like every session because of that kind of preparation that we do with content providers. And, you know, we... We ask them to acknowledge um, and give space to student identities and greet students in their community language if they can and use basic words um, in the community language, which will often kind of um, prompt the students to want to start teaching them additional words. And there's just, yeah, that kind of beautiful um, connection. And anytime um, 
providers are able to incorporate and celebrate Indigenous worldviews and contributions. That's also a really important moment for, for students, which kind of, again, will encourage them and kind of engage them in that two-way um, sharing and, and collaboration about themselves, their community, and their culture. That wasn't your main question, though. <laughs> but so I guess, okay, some specific moments. Um, one that I remember really well was um, a couple of years ago, we sometimes help with professional development initiatives as well for teachers. And one of the sessions we were hosting was with the Winnipeg Art Gallery, which um, hosts a lot of Inuit artwork. And um, it involved kind of a, a, a small tour of some of the Inuit works at the end of the session. And so um, the main facilitator was not Indigenous from, from the Winnipeg Art Gallery, and they're always very mindful of the way that they talk about um, Inuit work and often will let, you know, students kind of lead um, the sharing if they are connecting with Inuit students. But um, they were kind of going through a section of the gallery, which has a variety of Inuit dolls. And um, we had a community on the call in Nunavut where just by chance, the artist of one of the dolls actually um, worked at the school. And so it just kind of turned into a mini artist talk on the spot where the artist was able to talk about her piece that's exhibited at the gallery and the facilitator was able to learn kind of directly from the artist um, and, and as well as the others on the call. So that was really, really special. Um, and I know made the facilitator's day and she's also <laughs> able to now speak about that piece um, better when she connects with, with other communities. So that was great. And um, one from the last year I remember is a sheep eye dissection um, with the Ontario Tech University, who was, again, connecting to one of our communities in Nunavut. And um, the facilitator kind of opened the space to discuss traditional knowledge relating related to harvesting um, resources or materials from animals and kind of um, thanking um, the creator or the animal for that sacrifice. And um, again, they kind of just put it out there and they, they just ask and kind of let the students lead. They don't really try to teach or come with prior knowledge. And um, that was really special. I know the teacher really appreciated that. And the, the students really appreciated being able to kind of share and how that piece was considered in what might seem like just a very kind of like sciencey session that might not necessarily relate um, to their culture. So that was a great way to kind of bring that in. And um, the facilitator learned a lot from that. And, you know, just the idea of like a sheep eye dissection in the Arctic. Most of the students have not <laughs> ever seen a sheep before. So they were just kind of asking the presenter questions about sheep and what they eat and how the wool feels. So there was that really beautiful like two-way sharing. And I specifically remember it because at the end of the session, one of the students was like, 
I want to be a scientist when I grow up now. Oh. And uh, yeah, that was just such a such an impactful moment for me, for sure. Oh, God, that's the dream, right? To uh, to provide an educational experience that has that lasting impact on a student. And I love this story too. Um, you know, it speaks not only to the cross cultural connection, but also the intersection of different um, different. Uh, topics uh, within education or different uh, threads of culture. You know, you're talking about thanking the creator for a scientific experiment. Like, I I, I love all that. Um, I love the hybrid nature too of how simple it, it's like you're in the same room sharing, but how deep it got for the facilitator um, in the professional learning experience. So shows you the power of the hybrid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You you shared two wonderful stories here, um, but we always do ask for like a golden moment uh, from our guests, uh, a moment when they just knew that what they were doing uh, was was the right thing, right? This moment where their values aligned with what was happening in the controlled chaos of the classroom experience. <laughs> um, and I'm wondering if you can share one of those, if if one comes to mind. Yes, this I definitely have top of mind as probably the favorite moment in my Connected North career so far. Um, we work with a young young girl from um, Kitagon Zibi Anishinaabe First Nation who um, is just 13 years old and started her own business making scrunchies. And she actually delivers Connected North sessions um, ah, throughout the network, yes. which is incredible. Yeah. And she's just such an engaging and expert facilitator. She's just really, really wonderful connecting with other students, which are sometimes older than her too. But um, they or she connected with a grade five class in Grand Rapids, Manitoba. And one of the girls in attendance in that session, another young um, 10-year-old girl was then inspired to start her own business making buttons, um, which was just, yeah, incredible because she actually did follow through. And so she started her own business at 10 years old. And um, after the session, so you kind of get to see that lasting impact, but it was just by absolute luck that they were able that... um, the facilitator from who does the scrunchies was able to find out because her mother actually attended a conference where the other young lady's father was there and they live in different provinces. So it was just (laughs) complete luck. And somehow they connected and um, found out what was happening with these buttons. And so now they're collaborating. Oh, no way. So (laughs) she's now made some buttons for the scrunchie um, company. And so they kind of have this uh, like mystery box initiative that they recently started together where like both of their products are included. So yeah, that was just uh, such a kind of full circle moment and being able to also see the really powerful impact that just one kind of short virtual connection um, can have. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I need to meet this rock star, wonderful content provider. And also, I cannot wait for a mystery box. I will be, after this episode, definitely 
following up to see if I can get a link so I can get a mystery box. Buttons, scrunchies, I am so excited to see them and support them, these amazing entrepreneurs. (laughs) Yeah, what a great inspiration for um, maybe some of the kids who are on, like Tristan, Eden, and Vita, right? I can imagine them like, uh, you know, go-getting and doing doing something inspired by this. Um, What a great story. Thank you. I, our last question we wanted to ask you is is the the titular question of our podcast, um, which is why distance learning? Why, why why do you think this medium has value? Well, it eliminates geographical barriers and allows students and also content providers to meet people and experience things in places that they may never get to otherwise. And the possibilities are kind of endless. There's access, you know, to such a diverse range of subjects, people, institutions, and it opens up the opportunity to explore specialized or niche subjects or um, kind of individual student interests. And then also for us being able to offer more of these experiences and connections to students since there's a lot less logistics and costs than if needed to travel. So being able to offer more experience to the students we serve and it's just such a great accessible way to inspire students and empower them at school and in life and nurture well-being and just uh, give them hope for the future. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Allison, Tammy, do you guys have any last questions or, or thoughts for Anne-Marie? Appreciate your time so much. Thank you so much for all that you've shared and all that you do. I know that I've benefited from so much that Connected North has helped with my teaching practice and from just engaging with the students. So thank you for all of the great work. Like you said, there are many people that get to meet, so the ripple effects are just kind of endless. Yeah, and I would like to thank you just for your your contribution to the industry. Uh, you know, as I was saying before, like all those checked boxes. I mean, if if uh, if every school who did a, a, a virtual learning program had a facilitator who was making sure that they were prepared, that the content provider was prepared, that they understood the cultural context of the school, of the of the subject. I mean, if all of that happened every time, this this would be everywhere, you know, and it, and it speaks volumes that you've grown by word of mouth, right? Uh, the teachers experience the, um, the, the programs through you. Uh, how, how could they not have a great experience and want to share that with each other? Uh, so kudos to you and the work that you do. And thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. And please do check the show notes if you'd like to see a link to uh, Connected North taking it global uh, and also potentially the buttons and scrunchies people. We'll see. Yes. We'll try to get that in there. Um, <laughs> if you uh, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do it is to to, uh, to rate it or to leave us a review that really helps the algorithm pick it up and share it with other people who might also enjoy it or share it with a friend. Um, and if you want to know the answer to the question, why distance learning, check out the people that we highlight here. Uh, these are the people who are leveraging this amazing technology to truly transform the learning experience. Why distance learning? Because it's awesome. Thank you and see you next time. Bye.